0: Welcome to stamp show here today and a late Merry Christmas to everybody and happy holidays and a happy Festivus for those of you who celebrate Festivus like we do here. Well, last week I was going to put up a new feature called lunch with stamp collectors and we had several people at lunch and I had the gear all set up and the microphones on the table. And the background noise was so high. We were recording at the uh, Red Rock Casino in Las Vegas. And by the way, we meet there every uh, Tuesday at noon. So if anybody here is a listener who is going to be in Las Vegas Tuesday at noon, stop by the Red Rock Buffet and uh, have lunch with us. Anyway, after I recorded the session... It was terrible. There was so much background noise. You couldn't hear what we were saying. It was like a muffle just over. I have no clue who, how Jerry Seinfeld pulls it off. Or uh, Don Rickles. He's another one who has a lunch with and then somebody. And obviously these are big guys who uh, can you know tell everybody in the restaurant to be quiet. Uh, we can't, so... Unfortunately, Lunch with Stamp Collectors as a podcast is not going to occur until we can find a much more quiet place to eat. So anyway, everybody is still at Christmas vacation and uh, will be so until after January 2nd. So what I'm going to do here so that everybody has something to listen to is I'm going to put up the third episode of my Relics of History podcast. And I worked hard on it, so hopefully, you all enjoy it.
1: There's a little green valley on the old Kentucky shore. Gray. They have taken you away. I'll never see my darling anymore. I'm sitting by the river and a-weeping all off-
0: How did humanity grow to want to buy a stamp to mail a letter it's a pretty insane concept but without it we don't have our modern society why do we want to write people today we have gotten away from actual mail but we still send emails and post messages on Facebook Heck, sometimes we even make podcasts. But it hasn't always been like this. Not by a long shot. How did it all start? Well, let's look just at the mail. And let's look back to King Henry VIII.
1: My poor nellie gray they have taken you
0: away i'll never see my... this is relics of the past a podcast dedicated to history today's music is darling nellie gray by benjamin hanby written in 1856 and published by oliver ditson who later would become the largest music distributor in the country. At one point, they boast of selling half the songs in print. Think Sony music, only bigger.
1: In 1517...
0: King Henry VIII, appointed Brian Tuke as master of the posts. So they had a post office. Well, were people allowed to send letters then? Actually not. It was mostly built for only official business. However, Brian Tuke did allow a privilege To be granted to certain people who could use the system. This consisted mostly of royals and nobles. It wasn't until Charles I in 1625 that we actually have a public post system. He established six roads through England on which mail could be carried. The innkeepers along these roads were the postmasters and the average speed a letter traveled was 7 miles per hour in the summertime and 5 miles per hour in the wintertime. But Charles had a problem with the public service. How did people know that their letter was going to be delivered? At that time, sending a letter could cost as much as half a week's wages. So people wanted to make sure that their letters got through if they were paying such a large amount of money to get their letter delivered. Well, Charles came up with basically a marketing scheme. And he came up with the idea that the recipient would pay for the letter. That way if the letter didn't show up no one lost anything. This caused another very interesting problem though and people who grew up when I was growing up sort of saw the same thing happen with the telephones. You could go to a payphone that was a box that used to be on the corner It had a phone inside of it, and you could put money in it and make a phone call. Picture not having a telephone inside of your pocket. Well, you could call a person collect, and it would say, state your name. And your name would be something along the line of, hey, mom, come pick me up. And then it would call, and what would happen is, your mother would get a phone call, and it would say, we have a collect call from, hey mom, come pick me up, would you like to accept the charges? And of course you said, no, because you already got the message. Well, this was happening to the post office. People would write letters, and on the outside of the letter, there would be the message. And the post office ended up delivering a lot of mail for no charge. An interesting side note is, in Holland, just recently, they found a trunk full of letters from the 1680s to the 1720s that were unclaimed. This showed that there was a bit of a problem with it. Also, not only from people who wrote the message on the outside, but sometimes a person just didn't want to pay to get a letter from whoever the letter was from. He said, I don't want to pay this. And so the government ended up going through all that work for nothing. Well, obviously this caused prices to increase. And there are many stories of people finding ways to defraud the post office by taking advantage of them delivering a letter that was then refused. However, the person on the other side still got the message. In 1840... A gentleman named Sir Roland Hill, actually his name was Roland Hill because he wasn't knighted until after he did what he accomplished. He invented the postage stamp. It was a piece of paper that could be attached to an envelope to show that it was prepaid you didn't have in 1840 the fear that the post office was just going to pocket the money and throw your mail away. As we heard in the last podcast, there were a lot of things happening with the Industrial Revolution which allowed prices to drop. And one of these things was the invention of the postage stamp which handled the prepayment of mail. In England, it could cost 14 pennies to send a letter. With Sir Roland Hill's postage stamp, they charged one penny. Sort of the same thing that happened in the United States due to Mr. Lysander Spooner, where postal rates went from 13 cents and more down to five cents, and then down to three cents. Well, that brings up an interesting question. Because in the 16 and 1700s, a letter could cost half a week's wage. It was incredibly expensive. But in the 1850s, which is the gist of this podcast a person on the other side would only have to pay three cents to get their letter. Well, was three cents a lot of money? I've heard many people postulate that a three-cent stamp was a significant amount of money. We're going to explore that a little bit. If instead of saving half of your weekly wage instead you were saving three cents, how much is three cents? As anybody who took college level economics will tell you, economics is hard. But after that, they'll tell you that there are a lot of tricky things when you're dealing with inflation. How do you determine how much $0.03 was in 1851? Well, it's rather simple. You look at the Consumer Price Index, and you multiply it out, and you get the inflation-adjusted number of $0.84. But that's not very accurate. It tells you what today $0.03 would be. It doesn't tell you what three cents was in 1851. Let me go through a little statistics to show you the difference. In 1851 the average person spent two thirds of their income on food and drink. Today it's less than 20 percent. In 1851, the average person spent less than 10% of their money on housing. Today, it's almost a third. Clothing in 1851, 16% of your income. Today, clothing, 5% of your income. So, if we're comparing dollars to dollars, it's very difficult because A food dollar in 1851 was much higher than a food dollar today, and a housing dollar in 1851 was much, much lower. So instead of looking at purely inflation, I'd like to look at a couple of other things. One of them, which is kind of an inflation related item, is the value of gold based on today's gold values, which are about $1,250 an ounce, three cents worth of gold in 1851 would be about $2.10 today. So you can see right off the bat, we've doubled the 84 cents. But let's look at wages. In 1850, the average person Earned about 30 cents a day, about $1.75 for a six-day week. Based on an average 10-hour day, a worker would earn one letter per hour. Given an average wage today of $22, not minimum wage, but an average wage, that would mean that it would take about an hour to earn a postage stamp and that would be about $20. That means that a 3 cent stamp in 1851 might cost between $1 and $2 in 2018 based on inflation or gold value but it would take you an hour to earn it. It would be much less money than you might think, but it would be much, much harder to get. So given this, there was still a bit of a problem with people not prepaying their mail. The second problem which is coming about is not just the fact that You may be spending as much as $20 equivalent for one hour of work to buy a postage stamp. But at the same time, the mails are increasing incredibly. In 1840, mail volume was just a little shy of 50 million items. That included newspapers also, so it is a fairly high number. In ten years in 1850, it was almost a hundred million items. In 1857, it was 200 million items. With this volume growing like this, to a point in 1859, when it's just short of 300 million items, it's very difficult to collect Three cents from people. And three cents still was worth stealing. This is why in 1857 they did away with non prepayment of the mail. It was mandatory that all mail had a stamp on it or prepaid postage. So from King Charles I up to 1857 you could send a letter and have the recipient pay the postage. From 1857 on, all letters had to be prepaid.
1: I'm coming, coming, coming as the angels clear the way. Farewell to the old Kentucky shore.